Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We're in Birkat Yotzer, and I did not say in advance what we're going to do today. I think what I would like to do is uh, we talked about two things we wanted to do. One is look at the corresponding bracha in the evening service. I think it's short enough that we can do that today. And if we have time, then I might have a little bonus today. And then next week will be Rosh Chodesh. And then the week after, we will look at the morning bracha, the, mor- the version of it, which is different and expanded on Shabbat morning. And then at some point, as we head into July, we will lay Birkat Yotzer down to rest, which we have been studying low these many, many months, and we'll move on to the next bracha. So I'm gonna, we're going to start out looking at the evening version of this bracha. So we start out the evening with Baruchu, Hu Rachum, and then Baruchu. So in the evening, because of course we're all rushing to get home and go to bed, or to get home safely in the dark, you know, in ancient times, before the wild animals and the robbers come out, um, the bracha is much shorter. Okay, so we had this whole long expanded version um, in the morning and at night it's much shorter and it's the same theme God we find God's presence uh, I'm going to translate it into theological terms contemporary terms we find God's presence in the universe by looking at nature in the morning we talked about the sun coming up and at night we talked about it getting dark it's actually pretty straightforward okay Baruch HaTashem Elokeinu Melech Asher bidvaro ma'ariv aravim. By his word, God brings on the evening. Ma'ariv and aravim makes a verb out of a noun. It really means God evenings the evening. It's literally what it means. Okay? And with God's davar, with God's word, the fact that God does this with God's word, cues us back to think of the themes of mourning, which is the themes of creation, breshit, okay, the fact that God makes this happen just by saying, okay, right? So God, how does God make evening come on? God doesn't push the sun away or do anything active. It's just by God's word. It's abstract, right? Again, creation, it takes us back to the idea of, of God as creator as an as an abstract thing. God just says, God orders, okay? So, by God's word, God evening to the evening. In with wisdom, God opens the gates. So we have an image here which we're going to see again on Shabbat morning. Jeff, I'm admitting Jeff, God is men. Hi, Jeff. Um, we have the image which we're going to see again on Shabbat morning. What's the image of the gates? You may unmute yourself and answer. Like, where, what are the gates? Where do you think this comes from? The gates of heaven. Well, and what does that mean? Yes, but what? That means the, the uh, entryway to, to get prayers to God. Oh, that is so theological and nice. I think it's more concrete. What's going to happen with the gates? Because it doesn't say, there's nothing about the prayers. What's going to come out of the gates? The sun, I guess. The sun or the moon. Diane says the city gates are going to close. 
Okay, so we have gates of heaven, the prayers are closing. We have the city gates, so we have two illusions. But I think the concrete meaning is that the, the moon and the stars are going to come out. So the image is in a world in which people don't understand how the universe works astronomically, the pre-Copernican, pre-Galileo universe, the stars and the moon, they're out there all the time. Why can't we see them? Because they're behind gates, okay? They live up there. We, 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 we saw that the sun actually proceeded from one end, one end to the other. So people, so they had to have some explanation from how come it goes from here to there, but then it starts out at there all over again. That the earth is round was not the explanation, okay? Because the earth was flat for them. But they don't see the stars going from there to there in one night. The stars just seem to be there, okay? So the stars are, it's sort of like a scenery that you can't see because there's a curtain over it. It's not a curtain, but it's gates. By the way, there are other places where the heavens are referred to as a curtain, okay? So the idea is that God opens the gates and then the stars are visible. The sun goes away, the gates open, then the stars are visible, okay? And we'll see those gates again um, on the Shabbat morning version of the blessing. And God opens the gates. Bitfuna is parallel to chokhmah. Tivuna means discernment or understanding. By means of discernment, God mishaneitim changes the times. Umachalif et hazmanim and changes the times. Just another way of saying the same thing, poetic. Right? Umesaderet hakochavim and arranges the stars bemishmerotehem in their watches. I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. Barakia kirtsono in the heaven according to God's will. So remember, originally the idea was that sun, moon, and the stars were independent entities, were deities, okay, uh, paganism. So again, it's saying God by God's word. We start out with saying by God's word, God caused all this to happen, meaning there's no independent life to them. Okay. And God does it cured. So no, according to God's will. Okay. So the heavenly bodies do not have any independent agency. It all goes according to what God dictates. Mishmarot means watches, and it means like watches of the night. So, although the stars don't move the same way the sun does from one end of the heavens to the other in one night, they observed that the stars moved around, okay, and they moved during the course of the night, and the, um, the imagination said, the stars are like on watch at night. Cities, by the way, always had watchmen at night. How many watches were there? Does anyone know in general in the ancient world? Every four hours? Yeah, so there were three watches generally. Assuming a 12-hour night, there were three watches every four hours. They were called the first watch, the middle watch, and the last watch, right? So just as in human life, um, Diane, where the city has a gates that close at night and then there are watchmen. So it, in the universe, the gates open, right? The stars come out. It's the opposite of the city. The city, the gates close. The heavens, the gates come open. The stars come out 
and they are in their watches, meaning they're out during the night, sort of, I'm going to put it in quotes, supervising the night, and they change during the night. They move during the night. Okay? So this is kind of the poetic imagination. This is the poetic imagination. Um, I admitted someone named Anu. I'm not sure who Anu is, but... Anu, could you identify, could you unmute and identify yourself? Maybe Anu is, hi Anu. A- Anu, where are you? Could you, un- uh, you have to unmute, unmute. Sorry, sorry. Where are you, Anu? I'm in the Bay Area and I was at Peninsula Sinai and so I know Rebecca from Peninsula Sinai. Great. Rebecca, known to us as Rabbi Schatz, okay. Yeah. And, and did I say your name correctly, Anu? Yes. Okay, great. All right, we're on page. Show me which sidur you have. Uh, do not have a sidur. All right, we're in week weekday evening service, Mariv, in the in the in the beginning of it, right after Varhu. If you have any prayer stuff accessible to you, anyway. So God, so we're in the middle of Racha. Okay, and Anu unmuted herself. Good. Okay, so onwards. Borei Yom Valayla. Borei, the same word that comes from Breshit. Right? Bore, creation. So God created day and night. Golel or mipne choshech, vechoshech mipne or. God rolls away. Golel means literally to roll away. God rolls away the light before the darkness and the darkness before the light. So we have here mentioned not just that it became night, but cycles of time, right? So night's going to come and then night's going to leave. U ma'avir yom laila. And God causes day to pass away and brings the night. Umavdil ben yomuvein laila and separates between day and night. And Mavdil takes us back again to what story? And what day of the story? Toss up question. Someone has to unmute. Shabbat. Well, even back before that, it's when when are the when is the sun, moon, and stars and created? When day four. day four, and it says that God, if you go back and look at Breshit, it said, and God placed them there, lehavdil bein yomu vein laila, to divide the day and the nights, right? The sun, moon, and the stars are there to make, to, to mark time, okay? I believe it's there, ulehavdil bein haor uvein hachoshech, I think. It's in a Wednesday. It's certainly there in the first day, right? So, mavdil bein yomu vein laila, Hashem tzvaot shemo. Perfect. Is this not perfect literally? God, God, his name is, God's name is God of, what are tzivaot in English? Yes. Say again. Tzivaot are hosts. What do hosts mean? Hosts means the army. God, what is God's army? The heavenly bodies, the sun, moon, and the stars. Okay? So we have God does this thing with the night, brings the night on, opens gates, stars come out, they're on their watches. God moves away day before night. Eventually, God's going to move away from night before day. God separates. Okay? God, Hashem truly, I'm now adding truly, okay? But literally, the, the author has now proven the point, is the God of hosts, meaning the armies of heaven, meaning God's servants, all of this heavenly array, sun, moon, and stars. El Chai Vekayam. So God who is living and, I don't know, sort of eternal here. 
May this God rule over us forever and ever, which you might say, harking back to Sa'adya's critique of the last line of the morning bracha, doesn't exactly belong, right? So God ruling over us, we want God to rule over us forever and ever, doesn't exactly fit the theme here, right? They're sneaking in the relates the something about our relationship to Hashem, which is really not part of the theme. The theme of the bracha is, oh my God, look, the sun went down, the stars came out. It is just amazing. This is all a marker of God's presence in the universe. That's the theme of the bracha. And then we sort of snuck in here. Um, it's not as bold as the morning bracha where we actually long for the timing of the coming of the Mashiach, but we say we want God to rule over us forever. Okay? Baruch Hashem ha-ma'ariv aravim. So we come back with the same words at the end of the bracha that we had at the beginning of bracha. We acknowledge you Hashem who evenings the evening. Okay? So by contrast to the morning bracha, where we brought in all of this stuff with the kedusha and the angels singing, it's a much more, besides the fact that it's shorter, I think it's actually much um, less complicated and more straightforward, right? Evening prayer, the sun has gone away, the evening is coming on, right? People probably originally didn't say mariv, when, like at night, you can say Mariv as late as all night long, although some sages say up until midnight and others say all night long, but probably most people actually said Mariv um, as the evening was falling, as it was getting dark, right? So the dominant, I'm going to say, psychological reaction wasn't, oh my God, it's so dark out, but rather, oh my God, it's getting dark out. The sun has gone away the stars are starting to come out. Okay? Time has shifted. Michael? Well, leaving out any reference to Kedusha also makes sense because at Mari, we don't do a repetition of the Amidah, and there's, therefore there's no Kedusha. Good. Okay, so there's no Kedusha at all in Mariv. By the way, just so you know, in the Mishnah, there's an argument as to whether Mariv is Chova or Rashut, whether it is mandatory or optional. So there were sages who thought that because of the idea that prayer services were set up to commemorate the daily sacrifice in the temple, which was now absent because the temple was destroyed, and there were two daily sacrifices, the morning one and the afternoon one. So there were sages in the time of the Mishnah who said, Shacharit and Mincha are required, and Ma'ariv is optional. Okay? And the consensus of opinion came to be that Mariv is, how shall I say this, technically optional, but universally required. Okay, but originally it has less of, it had less of the statutory force um, of um, Shachri, which I know surprises, Shachri to Mincha, which I know surprises a lot of people when I say that. But when you study the Mishnah, there's an argument among the sages about as to whether saying Mariv is required of Jews every day or if it's actually optional, right? But probably it was said, um, remember, most people were agricultural, they were, I'm, I'm continuing to record. My recording got cut off somehow. Okay, um, uh, hold on a second, just one second, Jeff. So, so people rushed home. Maybe they were in the fields, they were in the marketplace, whatever. They would pull a minion together and they would say Mariv 
a little bit early before the stars were actually out. Technically, it's nightfall when the stars are out, which is why you're not supposed to, for example, say Havdalah until you can see three stars. Okay, but you're allowed to say Mariv a little bit early, um, um, so that people could get home, which is how we do Mariv at minute. That's why we say Mariv. Um, you know, someone will always say, "What time can we start Mariv?" So it's a certain amount of time before the stars come out. And by the way, just to tell you some halacha, if um, if you said Mariv with the three paragraphs of the Shema. When it was already nightfall, which means there were actually three stars out. You said it at the correct time at night. Then when you say Shema on, on your bed, bedtime Shema, you're supposed to say one paragraph, Shema and Ve'ahavta. If you said Mariv early before the stars were out, then you're supposed to say all three paragraphs of Shema in your bedtime Shema, because bedtime Shema is supposed to actually be at night. So if you said Shema early, right, before nighttime, because you were part of a minion that was finishing before nighttime, then you're supposed to see, say all three paragraphs of bedtime Shema. Okay, Jeff, you had a hand. Yes, uh, the term Adonai Tzvaot. Yes. I always thought that was kind of an odd translation. So it actually means armies, just like Yeah, so you might have missed a class. We talked about this at length once or twice. So Tzvaot means in Old English, I believe, I assume it's from, I assume the reason we have that phrase is from the King James Bible in 1611, because every, all translations that sound archaic to us are from the King James Bible in 1611, where it is translated as God of hosts. And hosts does not mean, please come over to my house, we'll have you for dinner. In King James English, it means armies. I believe, I assume it has, is related uh, to the word hostile, okay? Um, and it means armies. And no self-respecting king would travel around in the world with, without being accompanied by their retinue of warriors. And in the ancient imagination, the sun, moon, and stars, the, the heavenly bodies, are God's army. They're God's servants, God's courtiers, God's armies. Right. So it doesn't necessarily, yeah, I don't think it necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily want you to think God is marching off to war right this second. I don't think it connotes that. There are times in the Bible when God is depicted as a warrior, like at, um, uh, the song at the sea, for example, and there are other places. And there are places in the Bible where it says the stars of heaven fought against Israel's enemies. So there are places where poetically the heavenly bodies are actually imagined as fighting on God's behalf against the bad guys. The bad guys usually defined as anyone who opposes the Israelites. Okay, so when we read this, I don't think you're meant to think of God is marching off to war, but you are meant to think of the sun, moon, and stars are God's retinue and hosts, but it means armies. Yeah, yeah, means armies. Um, and I think, I think hosts, remember learning this on some tour of Israel, I think it also has to do with the word hospital, because the hospitals were founded by warriors in the Middle Ages or something like that. I don't exactly remember. Okay. 
All right. Any, quest, any other questions or comments about this bracha? Any thoughts? Thoughts about the evening bracha? It's pretty straightforward. It's lovely. Yeah, Marshall? Yeah. Uh, you know, I delight in reading the My People's Prayer book. Uh-huh. I like the translations which are given there. They're not literal, but they're more poetic. Yep. And it's really quite beautiful here. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll read the Hebrew phrase and I'll read the English phrase. If you can keep it short, that would be great. Maybe the salient thing that you want to tell us from the translation. I want to focus on the word of Okay. She just talked about. And where in our Sidor it says, arrange the stars in the sky according to your will. The word Vishwaratehem there is not translated. And yet in this, uh, my people's prayer book, a very nice turn, uh, arranges the stars in their trajectories in the sky as it sees fit. Nice. So Vishwaratehem is translated as trajectories. Right. Which is a arranging the whole thing here. Yeah, which is a great poetic thing which takes it to astronomical, although it's not actually what Mishmarot means. That's correct. And you could also be poetic and say, in their constellations, although that's not exactly what it means either. Yeah. But that's the idea, that there's an an array, it's arrayed a particular way, it has a sequence to it, it moves, it changes. So we have a sense in the prayer, by the way, of this dynamism of the changing of time, right? It becomes night, the stars come out, the stars do move, they do change or proceed as the year goes on, and we know that night is going to go away and daylight is going to come again in the morning. Okay? Any other thoughts, comments, questions, Larry? I'll be concise. I also love the evening service in part because it's being concise especially this prayer. <clears throat> and um, for, to that end, I also, not asking you now, just commenting, I wonder why the decision was made to keep the elongation of the evening service by adding Baruch Hashem Olam, which was originally only put in for people who had to do it quickly and go home, and we've kept it in, which I think is a mistake and the rabbi should take up. You're, t- you're, t- you're talking about the long thing before the Amida. Right. The, the brevity of the evening service is ruined. Right. Before and after the Shema is a beautiful thing. They've displayed it by keeping in Baruch Hashem, in my opinion. Yeah. I comment about... Which I, I, just, I just want to interrupt you for a second. That long thing before the Amida, Baruch Hashem, Lama, I mean, just so you know, Israelis don't say that. So it's not universal... In every Sidur, there are different customs about it. There are different reasons for why it's there. Some people said you said it instead of the Amidah because they would say the Amidah at home when it was really dark. And that Baruch Hashem Lohan mentions God 18 times like the Amidah. So, yes, but it ends up being the Jewish habit of, oh, we'll take an optional thing and we'll keep it and we'll let the whole thing get longer and longer. I'm not a rabbi, but... I advise people not to say it. Okay. I, don't, I don't say it unless I'm doing unless I'm actually at the board. Yeah. Comment about Bidvaro, it is a reference, in my opinion, to Baruch Shamar, because there's none of that in the morning version of this prayer. And my question for you is... None of, none of that meaning, I just want to understand, none of that meaning that God spoke. God created this by speaking. Right. And in the morning service in this prayer... It sounds like God is actually doing. Yeah. So I like the fact that it does that. Yeah. And my question for you is, why do we introduce the Baruch Hu with Uhu Rachum? 
why is it necessary to have those two ex- two uh, verses from Psalms before we do the Baruch It seems completely extraneous to me, except as a way to alert people, get ready. But the Baruch is already telling people to get ready. So it's say, get ready to get ready. I have a very straightforward answer to that. I have never researched that question, so I have no idea. But, because I don't generally teach evening Sudor class. But now that you have prompted me, I will do some research into that. I've got a guess. Maybe it's because there's no tachanun in evening service, so we're being told that God is merciful. It's a little, right, it's a little bit tachanun-ish. So I'll, I'll have a look at it. Okay, I'm going to take a few more minutes. This is um, a bonus. I want to apologize to people who are not who are less familiar with Hebrew, I'm going to bring you a passage which is only in Hebrew, um, but I'm going to translate it. First of all, let's go back to the morning bracha before I do this. This is like a fun little passage. Okay, let's go to page 98 in the big sim and page 31 at the bottom in the slim. So page 31 or page 98. The last paragraph, Le'el Baruch Nimo Itenu. Look up when you find it. Look up and nod at me when you find it so I know that you found it. Okay, Le'el Baruch Nimo Itenu. Okay. Middle of 98. Middle of 98. Okay, Le'el Baruch Nimo Itenu. Le'melech ha'chav kayam zemirot yomer v'techot rashmiyu. Ki hu levado. Now we have one of the poetic things. We said there were multiple pieces of poetry rhyming. Now we have one of them. I want you to count. Kihulavado, Poel Givurot, Osechadashot, Baal Milchamot. Remember, and we said, why is Milchamot in there? What does this have to do with wars? Zoreat Sidakot, Matzmiach Yeshuot, Borei Rifuot. And you might say, what does Rifuah have to do in there also? That has healing, that has nothing to do with any of this heavenly stuff. So we had how many couplets? 18. Eight. He meant, right. Eight. Eight couplets. I'm going to say it again. So we have eight couplets. Okay? So it's a rhyming thing of eight couplets, and a couple of them really seem to not belong. Right? Where do we get wars in here from? Where do we get healing in here from? Neither one of them seems to belong in this bracha. Okay? So, I'm going to try to screen share in a moment. Let me get my, let me get my text, and then I'm, then I'm going to screen share. Okay? Hold on. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Okay. Um, I'm going to try to share my screen. Uh, You see my, there we go. Do you see that? Do we see a text? Someone said. There it is. Great. Okay. Now this is in, in the email that I sent you. A few weeks ago, this is in it. It's the first page, if you want, want to see it on yours. So the Abu Draham was a Sephardic rabbi from Seville, Sevilla, we might say, uh, Alba, uh, in the 1300s. Okay, 
And you see where the arrow is at the bottom of the right page there. V'yesh bifracha zo remez. This blessing has a remez, which means symbolism or a hint. It took me a long time to think about this. Lamed chet, lamed mem, kaf tzadi nun shin. We'll see at the end if anyone can guess what this actually stands for. It's a acronym for what the heck is that? What the heck are those eight letters? Well, I don't know. Shehem Siman Lirashe Hayamim, which this is the uh, acronym or symbol of the heads of the days. Does everyone see where I am? Say yes if you see where I am. No. Yes. No. You see the arrow at the bottom of the page? <clears throat> yes or no? No. At yes. The, at the, bo- at the bottom of the page, there's an arrow. Bottom of the page? I see the arrow in the middle of the page. Okay. No, it's the bottom of the right-hand page. The, uh, the first page, the bottom of the right-hand, you see where, do you see the, it says Sefer Abu Draham HaShalem, where I wrote it in English. Yeah. There's two pages, right and left. If you look at the bottom of the right-hand page, there's an arrow. Yes? It, it's cut off on my screen. How about now? Now it's perfect. Okay. I'm going to start again. The, everyone see where the arrow is? Yes. Okay. Yes. The, I'm going to start again. The yesh, and if you have to go, you can... I, um, I'm sorry. I see the pictures of Mike, Marshall, and Larry, and it covers the... Okay. And if you have to go and you're not interested in Hebrew, then you can go and book your tov and have a good morning. Okay. Every, everyone here is there. You see the arrow. Say yes. 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 Okay. remez. This blessing has a symbolism or a hint, reference. Lamed Chet, Lamed Mem, Kaf Tzadi Nun Shin. What in the world does that stand for? I have no idea. That's the bonus question, if anyone can guess at the end. Shehein Siman L'Rashe Hayamim, which is the symbolism of the heads of days. Ketzad. No, no, no. Hold on to it, Vered. Okay. Ketzad. Ketzad. How so? Poel givurot keneged chama. The phrase poel givurot stands for what is the chama? Anyone? The sun. Sun. Okay. Now I'm going back to the top of the next page. Shine emar in shoftim. Lo, uh, sorry. Ketzet hashemesh bigvurato. So the phrase poel givurot refers to the sun because it says in the book of, of Shoftim, Judges. Can you guys see my cursor? Yes. yes. Good. Yes. Right? Ketzeit Hashemesh Bivurato. So the sun, the sun comes out in its givurah, in its power. So God is Poel Givurot. God does powerful things. Refers to the sun. Second phrase, Osech Hadashot Keneged Levanah. God makes new things. This is about the, what's Levana? Moon. Moon. Why does Chadashot refer to moon? Hamit Chadeshet Bekol Chodesh. Because it becomes renewed every month. 
Why does the phrase new things refer to the moon? Because the moon is always changing. Does anyone know where he's headed here? Have you figured it out yet? Yes. 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 What did you figure out? He figures out why do we have all those eight things that we read. So how many days of the, so how many days of the week are there? Uh, if it's it's eight. it's a no regular. How many days of the week are there? Seven. seven. So where he's headed, and by the way, remember, in the ancient world, the seven days were named after the seven visible heavenly bodies, which were the sun, moon, Mercury, Venus. Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. So Abudraham is going to say the reason we have these eight phrases is it shows that God rules the seven days and then there's going to be like a summary one at the end. Right? Uh-huh. And this explains why. This is so clever. Baal milchamot. Why do we say that God is in charge of wars? Keneged. Ma'adim shemimune alzeh. Vered, what is ma'adim? Ma'adim, well, the word itself means no. red. Yeah. It's the name of a galaxy. It's the name of... It's the name of a planet, and that planet is called... What's the red planet? Mars. Mars. It's ma'adim, right? So Mars, right? So Lundi, you know, we have Sunday, then we have Moonsday, then we have Mars Day, then we have... Matzmiach Yeshuot is about Kochav. Uh, what's Kochav? Kochav is Mercury or Venus? I think Mercury. I think Kochav. Dara, right? He, then he explains why. We're not going to do the verse. Zorea Tzedakot Keneged Tzedek. Tzedek is Jupiter. Borei Refroot Keneged Noga, which is Venus. Um, and I'm not sure why. Oh, because, because there's a verse from Malachi where it says something about the... Uh, gives a healing, although it's not really, this verse is really about the Shemesh, the sun, and not about Venus, but he makes it be about Venus. That's why healing is here. Norati lot keneged Shabtai. Shabtai is Saturn. It's the same word as Shabbat, right? Saturday is Saturn's day. Um, and he doesn't really explain the eighth one. I'm going to get rid of my screen sharing now so I can see you again. Sevilla, Spain. I, I don't know the days of the week in Spanish. Obviously, the days of the week in French are exactly what you said. Yeah, by the way, the days, of, the days of the week in all the European languages, I believe, are the same. It's the same deities, by the way, and our English ones are from Norse deities, you know, Northern Europe, but it's the same days. I believe that's universal, right? Probably so, with the exception of Germany and, and Wednesday. Right. Right, but the other days are the same. So, I just want to summarize that for those who didn't follow the Hebrew. Abu Draham is saying, in this prayer where we say, the, um, the heavenly bodies, which some people, use, some pagans used to think were actually gods themselves, right? In this prayer where we say, God created everything, and they are simply God's servants, okay? 
why do we have all of a sudden this poem about eight things? And oh, by the way, the poem about eight things has a couple of odd things that don't seem to fit at all. How come we're bringing in warfare all of a sudden? How come we're bringing in healing all of a sudden? So Abudraham, taking his cue from eight, says, ah, these are, by the way, you have to decide for yourself if you think this is his drosh or not, or the pshat. I actually think it's a drosh. I don't think that's what the prayer actually means. I don't really know. Just so you know, he's the only commentator who says this, right? So no, no one else comes up with this. This is not a commonly thought idea. So he says, why do we have this poem of eight things, a couple of which seem to not fit? Ah, this is a polemic statement about each of those heavenly bodies that the pagans believe to be an independent deity. Each one of these little couplets refers to one of those heavenly bodies believed to be a pagan deity and says, no, God is really the master of that thing. The thing that you thought, you thought Mars was in charge of war, wrong. You thought Venus was in charge of healing. I don't know why Venus and healing. I would have said love, falling in love, but I don't know why he associates Venus with healing, right? All these things that people may think that pagan deities are in charge of, God is really in charge of all those things. Why do we have eight couplets? It's seven for the week, and then kind of a summary statement to wrap it up. So it doesn't exactly fit, but that's how it makes it fit. I think it's an ingenious clever and entertaining thing. It does actually explain about Baal Milchamot, master of warfare, which really seems to totally not fit in the bracha at all, okay? Um, and I mentioned that when we came around to it at the first time. So he's, he's trying to work with what he's got and explain it. And then he has references for each one, why each one of those refers to one of the planets. So he then takes it not just as a nice little poem where the poet just grabbed random phrases, but actually an intentional statement that fits in with the theme of the bracha, which at least partly is a polemic that the, um, that the um, uh, heavenly bodies have no independent standing whatsoever, but are simply God's servants. Rina, who I think is in Tzfat, has a comment. Zorea Tzedakot. Uh, he, ex- yeah, he explains the Zorea Tzedakot. No, the Zorea Tzedakot is not the extraneous ones because Tzedek is, um, Tzedek is uh, Jupiter. Because Jupiter, Jove, was in charge of righteousness. Right? Hey, we're, we're, we're dying here. What's the explanation about the Rashid Revolt at the beginning? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Let me put it back. Let me put it back. Hold on. Wait. I'm gonna. I have to wait. Wait. Screen share. Where's screen share? Where's screen share? Uh. Uh. Bottom. Yeah. 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 Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I'll, I'll scroll to it. Everyone see the arrow? Yeah. Okay. Ready? Yeah, by the way. It took me a long time to figure, it came to me, like, you know, ready? The first Lamed is not a word, it's la, meaning two. Rem is la, chama, levana, madim, kochav, tzedek, noga, shabtai. Meaning, it's the seven heavenly bodies. 
Everyone hear that? Did you, did you get that? Yes. Never would have gotten it. No. Right. It took me a Remezla, yesh bivrachazo, remezla. This blessing has a symbolism of le, chama, sun, levana, moon, madi, mars, kochav, mercury, tzedek, jupiter, uh, noga, venus, shin, shabtai. But by the way, then he has another, I, I stopped translating, then he has a little explanation about why they're not in order. They're, because they're not in order of the planets, right? If it's in order of the planets, it would go, you know, uh, a sun, moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter. But the order is out of order. Why is that? Um, so he has a little explanation of why that is. So that's what the acronym is. The acronym is those heavenly bodies. So he's saying in this paragraph, this section is a symbolism about the seven heavenly bodies, that they are simply God's servants and they are not independent deities having any independent power of their own. So whether or not you found that last little thing interesting or followable or not, I don't know. So if you didn't find it interesting or followable, then I apologize. But I I Xeroxed it, so I wanted to do it because it's so really out of left field, distant left field. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.